Alleluia. Alleluia. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Holy Spirit, we welcome your presence. Holy Spirit, we welcome your voice. We welcome your heart. We welcome your mind. And before anything, oh God, we just want to thank you for your sacrifice that you've made on our behalf. Not just something that you did 2,000 years ago, but something that you continue to do and have always continued to do. Oh Lord, you always send your sons unto humanity that they might be a living sacrifice, holy and presentable unto you for our behalf, oh God, on our behalf. And we say thank you. We say thank you. We say thank you. Because you did not withhold your son. You did not keep your son back from us. You did not keep him away. You released him that he might be a ransom for many. That his life, his blood might be a ransom for many. That he might purchase us out of bondage and usher us into the realm of the glorious liberty of the sons of the most high God. And Lord Jesus, we say thank you. Thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your consistent sacrifice toward us. More than anything, oh God, we pray. We pray, we pray, we pray. That we might live lives worthy of the sacrifices that you have made for us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. 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 The Good Friday. The Good Friday. The Good Friday. You know, Easter is a very powerful holiday. Very powerful holiday. <sighs> because more than anything, it causes every single one of us to begin to contemplate on the marvelous work that the Christ did 2,000 years ago and the marvelous work that the Christ continues to do even now. That work of sacrifice, that, that work of love, Love that does not withhold itself. Love that does not put itself first. Love that exists to be a light that gives unto others. It is a day where all of humanity is encouraged to pause and reflect, contemplate on the goodness of God, on the kindness of God, that even in the midst of our iniquity, even in the midst of our shortcomings, even in the midst of our holiness, our Heavenly Father still thought it good to have mercy upon us. He still thought it good to send His Son on our behalf. He still thought it good to rescue us. And it's something that every year we have to always, not even just every year, 
But every day of our lives, we have to pause and actually thank God. Because you see, there is that tendency to believe that just because you've heard something before, that you have an idea of what it's about. And some of us, during the time of Easter, we have that feeling of, I've heard this thing before now. Who can, who can be honest and confess to this? That during the time of Easter, when we begin to have teachings, messages surrounding Easter, surrounding the cross, we sometimes have that disposition of, oh, all my life I've been, I've had how many Easter's? I'm 35 now. I've, I've at least been conscious of at least 30 Easter's, you know, 25 Easter's. And sometimes we become too familiar with something that has not yet finished unfolding, right? We become too familiar with something that is still in the process of unfolding. Because when we talk about familiarity, it means that you fully know what this thing is about. But we're dealing with someone who every morning is new, who every morning is more powerful, more encompassing. And every time we gaze upon him, every time we contemplate upon him, there's something more powerful. There's something richer to absorb, to experience, to come to know. And that is exactly why we're gathered here right now to contemplate upon the Good Friday, the day when our Lord Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross for us in order to rescue us from bondage to sin and darkness and usher us into the glorious liberty of the sons of the living God. Hallelujah. 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 Isn't it interesting that isn't it interesting that a day when something seemingly tragic happened is a day when many people said, this is the Good Friday. You know, like I wrote in the flyer, you know, 2,000 years later, after a lot of apostles, prophets, teachers have appeared to explain everything that happened 2,000 years ago, after so many people have come, after so many people have said a lot of things, after so many people have done a lot of things, it's so easy to look back and say, of course, that Friday was good. True or false? It's so easy to look back and say, of course, it's good Friday, right? I'm sure no one can, no one is in, is in, um, is in dispute as to why that Friday is called good. True or false? I'm sure no one of us are in dispute as to, as to why that Friday is called good, Right? Because we're reading the story 2,000 years after it has happened. And we were not there in that moment of Calvary, where one who appeared to be the savior of the world was stripped naked and assassinated before an entire multitude. And it invites us into a great reflection, into a great reflection. Because when we think about the Good Friday, we discover that even our walk with God is somewhat similar to this because most of the times we only recognize and see God in hindsight. How many of us know what I'm talking about? That two years later we say, ah, I thank God for what he did though. Hmm, these two years, hi, he was God. And we start to give testimony after we have come out of the two years. But within those two years, it was completely impossible for us to recognize the goodness of God. How many of us can testify to what I'm talking about? 
that for some reason, the only way we are able to recognize God's goodness is when it has physically materialized. And that goodness that is always present in spirit, even in the midst of great adversity, most of the time, we are blind to it. Are you understanding this? This is one of the things that that Good Friday is talking about. And we're just going to unpack that a little bit, especially this word good, which we see used in the Bible a lot. Good. We hear God is good, 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 good. <laughs> and we as human beings, most of the time, we have that tendency of projecting our belief systems on words, on people. You meet a person, a person says, for example, now there's a there's a way I sometimes speak. When I'm when I want to say something is very good, I'm like, man, this thing is bad. Oh, have you guys ever heard that kind of slogan before? When someone wants to say this is good, but instead of saying this is good, you're like, oh my God, this is too bad. Have you heard that before? I remember when I first met Esther, I used to say, man, this food is bad. She would look at me like, oh my God, are you trying to say that the food is <laughs> <laughs> and even though, granted, right, I used the wrong English to describe something, but in that moment, there wasn't a pausing to consider what is the meaning of this word bad that I'm using. Does, does that make sense to us? Because we hear a lot of words. We assume that just because this person is using the same English language that I'm using, that they have the same meanings that I have to the words that are being used. So I want to say, Father, when you hear Father, you think of something so majestic, so holy, so pure, and someone hears Father, and the, in fact, trauma has opened up in their soul that you can never understand. And that's why we're in a generation now because of a lot of people that have trauma, trauma with fatherhood. Now everyone is so wants to just attach themselves to the fact that, oh, God must be a mother. Because when they hear Father, the trauma of the experience of fatherhood doesn't allow them to see God in a healthy light. There is a need for us to learn how to quiet our own point of view, quiet what we know, and actually observe something in front of us and see it for what it is. And this is especially true when we are engaging God. There is a need to engage God with that, with that heart of humility, acknowledging that, in the face of someone who is the ancient of days, who is the omniscient one, it is possible that there is something about him that I am yet to know. And oh Lord Jesus, that which I don't yet know caused me to understand and see this in this very moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So in this teaching of the Good Friday, I want us to go back to the book of Genesis where the word good was used for the first time in the entirety of scripture. Because there's this rule in scripture that says the first place a word was used gives you an, an idea of the spirit of that word, of the meaning of that word, of, of, the, of, of the context of that word. Because the Bible is like, is like look at Genesis like a seed plot. And Exodus like a stump that comes out of the soil and Leviticus numbers as stems beginning to flow and leaves and ultimately fruit. So the Bible is a book that is evolving if you look at it very carefully. And everything that happened all throughout the scriptures, you will find them 
in a micro way in the book of Genesis. So you can see the book of Genesis, which is also the book of generations, is like a microcosm of the macrocosmic scripture that would unfold in a little while. So we're going to go to the book of Genesis chapter 1, where God spoke about goodness for the first time, when God called something good for the first time. And it's going to bring us to a place of, of deep contemplation, deep reflection, especially in this time of Easter, which is not just about remembering something that happened 2,000 years ago, but about understanding what God is doing now. Because the Bible is not a book of the past, but a book of the eternal now. It speaks of what is happening, what has happened, what is going to happen, and what is going to continue to happen. So we're not, we're, not, we're not just engaging this study of Easter to understand the past and to know what God did. We're studying this and reflecting on this to understand what God is doing. And beyond that, what God is also inviting us to do. If someone is with us, say amen. Say amen. What God is inviting us to do. Hallelujah. How, this amen that you are typing, I don't understand. Bro. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. And Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So it begins in Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. And it says, Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Verse 9. Then God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth and the gathering together of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Verse 11, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed and the fruit that yield and the tree and the fruit tree that yields fruit according to, this, to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Without much further ado, when one begins to reflect on these scriptures that we're just reading now, when one begins to reflect on this passage, you realize that everything that God called good was everything that brought forth what he called out of it, true or false? True or false? We know that scripture that says that God calls things that be not as though they were. Do you guys understand that much? In the book of Genesis, everything God called, it did not yet exist. It came into existence by God calling it out. And in that thing being called out, God said, behold, this thing is good. But when we read this, it's very easy to assume that God was just creating something out of nothing. 
and we read scriptures that God calls things that be not as though they were. And we assume that whatever God calls into manifestation did not yet exist before he called it. I don't know if anyone's following me. When the Bible talks about God calling things that be not as though they were, it is saying God is calling things that be not in the physical as though they were in the physical because they already are in spirit. Does that make sense? Shall I say that again? Did we all get that? Did we all get that? God calls things that be not in physical as though they were in physical because they already are in spirit. Did you guys catch that? You can even see that even God operates by faith because physically speaking, this thing that he's calling forth does not exist in the physical realm. So he's not even calling this thing forth based on what one can see physically, but based on what he can see in spirit. Because physically, there was no light. Physically, darkness covered the face of the earth. Physically, there were no herbs. There were no fishes. There were no cattle. There were no foxes. There was no grain. Physically, all these things didn't exist. And from a physical point of view, it doesn't make sense to say, come forth. When physically all these things do not exist. However, he was calling forth based on what he was able to cognize and verify in spirit. And when that came forth, God declared boldly, this is good. And it invites us to a very deep understanding of what the goodness of God is. Hallelujah. 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 According to the teachings of the sages, when we read the Bible talk about good and evil, that definition, good and evil, is only true from the standpoint of the carnal man who only judges things from their face value, who only judges things from what he can literally see. The first example I'll give is the story of Samuel. When Samuel was sent to anoint David to be king of Israel, and he met Jesse, and he told Jesse, can you bring forth your sons? Because I believe that the next king of Israel is going to be amongst your sons. And Jesse began to bring out a number of sons, a number of sons, and God was rejecting one after the other, one after the other, one after the other. And the time came when a man physically looked like this could have been a king, I can imagine that probably he could speak a number of languages because, of course, kings have to be versatile in the different, in different languages of the surrounding countries, right? I'm sure he looked very handsome to be physically appealing to the people. I'm sure he had a height that would make him command authority from people when he meets them. I'm sure physically speaking, it looked like this person was good. And God said to, said to Samuel, I don't judge things by the outward appearance. I judge things by the heart. And there came David, a young shepherd boy, who I'm very sure was very scrawny in appearance. Physically speaking, it did not look as though such a person could be king over Israel. Physically speaking, it looked like, this looked like someone who 
You know what the Lord just ministered to me right now? You know what the Lord just ministered to me right now? And it's very deep. And I, and I hope that when I say this, it will hit us the way it just hit me right now. David looked like someone who needed someone else in order to stand. I don't know if that hit us. I, I, don't, I, I don't even know if I articulated it. You know when Paul said, I don't boast in my strength, but I boast in my weaknesses because it's in the time of my weaknesses that the strength of God will be made manifest. David looked like someone who on his own, nobody, this man, there's, no, there's nothing to write home about him. When they saw David physically, it looked as if, no, no, this man, he needs me. How can I need someone like this? This person needs help. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? When they met David, David looked like someone that was in need of help. And do you understand that that's actually what made David so powerful? Because sometimes we're so self-dependent, we're so independent, we're so self-sufficient, that our self-sufficiency is so great that there's no room for God to be of help to us. And because of that, some of us, God has to just strike our hip a little bit, just strike the hip a little bit, so that we can learn to lean on him. <laughs> David looked like someone who was in need of God's help. <laughs> I don't know if someone's catching what I'm saying. Oh my God. <laughs> David looked like someone that was in need of God's help. But someone was saying, no, no, no. I'm not looking for someone that is in need of God's help. I'm looking for someone who can help me. Israel is in jeopardy. Look at what's going on. I need someone who... And David looked like someone who needed help. But did not realize that that was the, the strength of David. And God was inviting Samuel to perceive that in spirit. Because what looked like what we can call evil, because Israel was in turmoil, right? They had a king that had a bad head upon his shoulders. We need someone who has audacity because the reason why Paul, um, the reason why Saul sinned against God was because the people of Israel were stronger than him. What makes a king powerful is that that one individual has enough strength and grit within himself to stand against a million people. Do you guys understand that? That's what makes a king a king. He's not one man. He's like a million men in one. So you need to be a million and one people to defeat his might and strength of will. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Because the people came in their multitude and they said, this is what we want, Saul. I know God told you to kill off the Amalekites, but come on. We just fought a very crazy battle. Won't you give some of the soldiers some spoils of war? Won't you give them some women from the other tribes to marry? Won't you give... You see? And because Saul did not have the strength of will, the children of Israel easily overpowered his will. And this was Saul, who was someone who was taller than all the men of Israel, as it was written in the Bible, that every, he was taller than everyone, even from the shoulder. So that, that, that means that everyone, even as a metaphor, but physically speaking, everyone was beneath Saul's shoulders. Yet, those people were able to confound Saul and bend Saul to their will. So you can imagine Samuel saying something like that with Saul, and all of a sudden, they bring forth small David. Is, this, is, this, is that passage, 
is some light coming to that passage for us? Is it, is it getting some level of meaning to understand what Samuel was seeing in his flesh? That even me, Samuel, they're even challenging me. <laughs> they're even challenging me. In fact, they challenged me and they even removed me as judge. <laughs> they removed me as judge, me, Samuel, that my word doesn't fall to the ground. Is it this scrawny boy that looks like he's just entering into puberty that is going to stand against Israel? From Samuel's point of view, carnal point of view, what Samuel was looking at was something that was not good. Is this making sense? From a physical point of view, Samuel was looking at something that was not good. And the Bible doesn't mince words. It doesn't really have gray areas. When the Bible says something is not good, when something looks like it's not good, what they're saying is that it is evil. This is an evil thing that has come. This is an evil thing that has come. This cannot be good. But because Samuel beheld in spirit and God opened his eyes in spirit to see reality from spirit and not from the physical standpoint, even though from the physical standpoint, David looked as though he could not have been good for Israel in spirit. Samuel saw, ah, this man is goodness concealed. And this invites us to the understanding that the sages of Israel present unto mankind that many people have not realized, especially when they're studying scriptures. From the carnal point of view, we say this thing is good and this thing is evil. But from God's point of view, there's nothing like that. Do you know what it is from God's point of view? Do you want to know? Question for everyone. Do you want to know? Do you want to know? From God's point of view, there is nothing like good and evil. There is only good concealed and good revealed. Did you guys catch that? Did you guys catch that? From God's point of view, there is only good concealed and good revealed. Because if all of creation is a product of the eternal God, who is goodness in himself, how can one say anything about creation is not good? Is someone understanding what, what I'm saying? If creation is a product of someone who in his pure essence is goodness, how can one say that anything about creation is not good? From God's point of view, there is only goodness concealed and goodness revealed. Because if you look at Genesis, for example, out of darkness came forth light. Out of fishermen came apostles. Out of leprosy came a clean slate of health. How is that possible? That Jesus will encounter someone who is white and leprous and it looks as though there is nothing good that can come out of this person and he looks upon them and he says, behold, and immediately what he declares from the standpoint of spirit begins to materialize. How could that be? If it wasn't so that that health already existed within that person, 
It was just a matter of revealing that which was concealed. Is someone catching this message that is being given? Is someone catching this message that is being given? It was a matter of revealing that which was concealed. The Bible says it is to the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the honor of kings to search it out. This is what differentiates a carnal man from a spiritual man. The carnal man is always searching for the goodness of God that is always present around him, even if it doesn't appear like it is so, because he knows that the goodness of God is never, ever far away from me. Are you understanding? When this realm of reasoning begins to dawn inside of our hearts, we'll begin to understand the kind of grit and tenacity the, the, the patriarchs of old had. Especially when they were faced with great adversity, so much so that their hearts should have fainted and they should have given up on God. How is it that they kept on pressing on? What were they looking for? Do you understand? What courage did they have? Well, let me last, let me linger a little longer. And even though it looks like it's dark, surely joy will come in the morning. What gave them that courage? Because from God's point of view, there is no good or evil. There is only goodness concealed and goodness revealed. And that's something that that drama of the passion of Christ invites us to consider very deeply. Because that drama of the passion of Christ talks about how walking with God looks like for every single one of us. Because when one judges the life of Jesus Christ from an external point of view, believe you me, if you were Jesus' mother, you believed that you are cursed amongst all women. Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? Everyone in the Bible that the Bible described as blessed, when you look at their lives, you know? <laughs> are you guys understanding what I'm saying? You look at their lives, it's like, God, please help me see this blessing, please, because I'm, I'm <laughs> I think my eye is not very clear. You know, I'm trying to find the blessing, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's my eye. I might need some eye salve. I'll put drop because <laughs> I'm reading this story. I, I, <laughs> I'm looking for the blessing. <laughs> Do you understand? Do you understand? Do you understand? Because it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the honor of kings to search it out. And this is why many of us read through scriptures. And some of us read through scriptures and we look at scripture as so, so tragic. And some of us say, oh my God, how cruel a God is this? How can you put your own son through this? How can you put Job through this? How can you allow Joseph go through all that? I get that, oh, the evil that happened unto him. Oh, 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 he turned to his good. But oh God, couldn't you have prevented his brothers from selling him, how many of us have actually pondered to consider that ever before? Now, could there have not been another way? Did they have to pursue David for 17 years? Did Saul have to kill many people in pursuit of David? 
Did Abraham have to go into, into Egypt? Did they have to carry his wife? Why did all, why? You understand? Because light, light is always concealed within darkness. Goodness is always concealed within what appears to look like evil. Is someone catching that? Is someone catching that? And this is a reasoning that God wants his children to begin to have. There's a reason why the Bible says darkness is his covering. Can someone put that scripture for me here, please? It said darkness is his covering. We know so much about God being in an unapproachable light, but we have not asked, why is that light unapproachable? It's a mystery, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Do you know what happens when they flash light in your eye like this? What, tell me what happens when someone takes a, a torchlight and they flash it in your eye, what happens? When someone takes a torchlight and flashes it in your eye, what happens? Tell me, who can tell me? What happens? You can see. When I take bright light and I put it before your eyes, you are, it's, it's like darkness. Are you understanding what I'm saying? When pure light hits you, that pure light will look like the darkest thing that could ever have been. And that's why you see that when they talk about God dwelling in light unapproachable and God being concealed by darkness, it's the same thing. Because who told you that that drama that was happening on the cross, when this man's skin was being peeled by the whips of the Romans, when he was being disgraced before his brothers and sisters, who told you that that was a dark time? <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. I, I, I hope someone is catching this message this, this evening. I hope someone is catching this. Thank you. Psalm 18, verse 11. He made darkness his covering, his canopy around him, the dark clouds of the sky. We look at Joseph's life. Having brothers that were envious of him, brothers that were jealous of him, jealous of his station, so much so that they plotted to exterminate him. They threw him into a pit in the middle of the desert where there could have been scorpions, snakes. If that wasn't there, the heat of the desert would have cooked him inside of that pit. As if that wasn't bad enough, they sold him like a piece of meat into the land of Egypt. And would you believe that in such a moment, a very bright light was shining? Is someone understanding what I'm saying? Is someone catching what I'm saying? In that moment, a bright light was shining. But it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the honor of kings to search it out. What verified Joseph's sonship to God was in that scenario that looked like thick darkness. To him, he was dwelling in light unapproachable. You guys understand it? Because how was he able to maintain himself? How was he able to keep the statutes of God if by the Spirit of God he was not able to see that behold the bright light of God? Because from God's point of view, there is nothing like good or evil. 
There is only good concealed or good revealed. It is men that say this one is good, this one is bad. No, 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 no. Should I tell you guys of a Chinese parable? Do you guys want to hear a Chinese parable? Do you want to hear it? All right. Once upon a time, there was a Chinese man. There was a Chinese man that had a horse. The horse left his house and went astray. And all the neighbors came and said, ah, something bad has happened though. Wouldn't you be worried? He said, well, is it good? Is it evil? I don't know. We shall see. The next day, that horse that went astray came back with another horse. They said, oh my God, that horse came back with another horse. A good thing has happened. He said, is it good? Is it evil? We shall see. The next day, his son rode on the new horse that came. And upon riding the horse, the son fell off the horse and broke his leg. And then out came, oh, sir, something evil has happened. Your son has broken his leg. The man said, is it good? Is it evil? We shall see. <laughs> Are you guys getting this? <laughs> The next day, the king was demanding that every home release one able-bodied son to fight the war. And when they came and the son had a broken leg, he was not, he was not able to be conscripted to the army. The neighbors now came and said, ah, your son got this. <laughs> Good thing has happened. <laughs> and what did the man say? Someone say it to me, omit your microphone, say it to me. What did the man say? <laughs> I want to hear a voice. <laughs> Tell me, like, is it good? Is it evil? No, we shall see. see. <laughs> <laughs> we shall see. <laughs> Are you understanding? <laughs> because it invites us to have an understanding of good and evil beyond the carnal point of view. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? Because how is it possible? Because I mean, if you reflect, even in the book of Genesis, do you know that of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it was said that that tree was, was, was good. Can someone bring that scripture for me? I think Genesis chapter one, verses, verses two. Genesis chapter two where God talked about the trees that was planted and the tree of knowledge of good and evil and how he described that that tree was good. Maybe someone can bring it for me so that we can read it in a full context. Right? Because there is an understanding of good and evil that I believe God wants to dismantle in our minds this very evening. Yes, indeed. Oyechi, please pose that scripture for me. Yeah? There's an understanding of good and evil that we've had up until this moment that God wants to dismantle in our minds. Because God is always good. God is always good. Sometimes the goodness of God is revealed unto us. Sometimes the goodness of God is what? Who can tell me? The goodness of God is what? 
the goodness concealed. of God is concealed from us. The goodness of God is concealed from us. Because there's no point in our walk with God, there's no point in time where the goodness of God becomes exhausted. But at any given point in time, the goodness of God is either concealed or it is revealed. Thank you for posting the scripture from Genesis chapter 2. No, Genesis chapter, chapter 2. It says, Genesis chapter 2 verse 9, it says, The Lord God made all kinds of trees to grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and trees that were good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So even God called the tree of the knowledge of, the knowledge of, good, of good and evil a good tree. Are you understanding something? Because it's possible for something to be good, but that good thing can be used in a bad way, true or false. It's, something for some, it's possible for something to be holy, but that holy thing can be used in an unholy way. And when a holy thing is used in an unholy way, do not be surprised if it brings tragedy upon oneself. But the fact that tragedy came upon oneself because of abuse doesn't mean that that thing is bad in and of itself. But we'll leave that mystery of the tree of knowledge of good and evil for now. I want us to really contemplate. Because what we're having now is an open contemplation. I hope we can understand that. This is an open contemplation. We're dwelling on the goodness of God. And we're unraveling it from our conversation, from our speaking, and from the scriptures. Because there's a work that God wants to do in our minds this very evening. Because you see how Isaiah will come and declare, can evil befall a city if the Lord has not done it? Can someone post that scripture for me? When Isaiah says, can evil befall a city? No, that was in Isaiah. That was um, another prophet. Isaiah said, Isaiah said, I, the Lord, bring peace and cause disaster. And cause, well, the actual Hebrew is, I, the Lord, bring peace and, and cause evil. If someone could post those two different scriptures for me, where one said, I, the Lord, bring peace and create evil. And where, um, I can't remember who said, was it Amos who said, can evil befall the city if the Lord has not done it? If someone could post the scriptures for me right here now. Because we see all throughout the Bible, when the children of Israel will go astray, and it looks as if my God, thank you, it was Amos indeed. Amos chapter 3, verse 6, that says, Shall the trumpet be blown in a city and the people will not be afraid? Shall evil befall a city and God have not done it? Are you guys seeing that? We're seeing a God that actually takes responsibility for all that transpires within all creation. All. Are you guys seeing that? And Isaiah chapter 45 verse 7 says, I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. Are you understanding? But even that word evil that is being used from God's point of view is not evil the way we understand it. Because from God's point of view, there is only evil, there's only good concealed and good revealed. 
And that is why Jesus Christ could meet people who were fishermen, or even just fishermen. But Matthew was a tax collector at the time of Jesus. You guys know what a tax collector, I mean, you, you, some of you have watched Chosen, so I believe you have an idea of who a tax collector was, right? They were reprobates. They were like criminals, they were like agbarus. <laughs> That's just the truth. <laughs> tax collectors were like agbarus. How can you betray your own people and you side with their oppressors to collect money from them to enrich yourself? Look how Matthew was dressed in the finest apparel of his time. Where some people were struggling to have shoes. Matthew had like seven, eight, nine shoes that he could change. Where more just touched his shoe, he wanted to throw it away. I mean, that didn't need to have happened historically, but that captured the essence of a tax collector of that time. Do you understand? Like all these NURTW boys of uh, MCO Luomor, that's what, <laughs> actually, that's the truth. This MCO Luomor, Matthew was like one of MCO Luomor's boys. <laughs> Can you imagine someone going to pick up one of MCO Luomor's boys and saying that, behold, <laughs> these are the apostles of the new age <laughs> are you understanding that <laughs> indeed or even Oluomo himself right even him himself he might as well go and say ah this one is the apostle for Nigeria that is going to bring about the fulfillment of all the prophecies can you imagine <laughs> it sounds ridiculous it sounds ridiculous it, it, it doesn't make any sense right it, it makes no sense. It's like, what on earth is that? <laughs> are you guys understanding what I'm saying? It, it makes no sense. Like, what are you saying? You see? Because we look at such a person and we say, such a person is evil. Isn't it so? Such a person is dark. Oh, such a person, such a dark person, such a person is evil. But Jesus Christ will look at him and say, oh, wow. Behold the light of God concealed within a tabernacle of darkness. I would call it fault. I would call it fault. Because it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the honor of kings to search it out. Paul said, when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb, to reveal his son in me, not in Moses, not in Jeremiah, not in Isaiah, to reveal his son in me. That means all along, even whilst Paul was assassinating Christians, even while Saul was collecting bribe and doing all these things as a religious zealot, even while all these things was happening, God was inside of him concealed. Now, do you understand why God doesn't ever abandon any man? Are you understanding what I'm saying? Because in the midst of all that evil that Paul was carrying out, even as he looked like a write-off within that chamber of darkness, was light concealed. Because from God's point of view, there is only goodness concealed and goodness revealed. Only the Son of God or only the sons of God have that desire and determination within themselves to cause that which is concealed to be made manifest. 
it is dead and carnal men that only wait for revelation. Is someone getting what I'm saying? Is someone getting what I'm saying? Some of us, we can only listen to God until, we can't listen to God until that rice has entered our mouths. <laughs> until that rice has entered our mouth, like we can lick that stew. We can't hear what God is saying. <laughs> but if Dangote comes and says, hey, PA, credit and the account 200 million, but you, the money has only touched your account too. Just from that state, you will start to scream. God has changed my story. You, I think I will be calling our family and say, oh God, see, eh? God, all the prayers that I've prayed for the God in one day, God turned around the captivity. Or you see, scripture God does it come out like this. Word. <laughs> scripture will be coming and we will quote his scripture and say, God, God has turned around. The captivity of Zion. Ah, when Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. <laughs> and the money has always turned the account to. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and we can have that much confidence in Dangote telling his peer to credit our account. But when God tells you that, Laifa, it is settled, we still live in doubt. Is someone catching what I'm saying? When it says Barituka, it is settled. We still live in doubt. When the Lord says Ayo, it is settled. We still live in doubt. Until the rice enters into our mouth. <laughs> Blessed are those who have believed even though they have not seen Blessed are those who have believed, even though they have not seen. And that statement is actually a double entendre. Because it is impossible to have faith and trust in God if you have not beheld in spirit. Because as a matter of fact, faith is perception in spirit. That governs how you act in the world of flesh. So there is no faith without sight. But this sight that is being spoken about is not sight physical, but sight spiritual. As I day like this, in the next five days, I've already received quick notice. The landlord has said that I will leave this house and me and my children will be on the street. But in the spirit, God has said it is well, but we somehow have much confidence in what a man has said than in what God has said to us. And sometimes we would doubt God because of what man has said. And then what man has said will come to pass and we say we knew it. You see it? God didn't help me, not realizing. In the same way that the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of Jesus' garment and he said, your faith has made you well. I want us to know that sometimes your doubt is the very thing that has made you unwell. Is someone catching what I'm saying right now? Jesus Christ did not even take credit for the healing that happened to that woman with the issue of blood. He said her faith made her well. Her faith caused healing to come about. Her faith caused healing to come about. And many of us don't realize 
that if it is possible for faith to bring healing, it is also very possible for doubt to bring about illness. That's what the Bible says, without faith, no man can please God. Because faith is beholding what God has already accomplished in spirit. In spirit. Even while the world was still dark, people were still living vicious lives. Jesus Christ was even dying on the cross. And yet he could boldly say, it is finished. What was finished? It is you that looks like you are finished. I can't understand what I'm saying. Because from the carnal point of view, this must be a complete madman. How dare you talk like this? Well, the ones have killed you. What do you mean it's finished? <laughs> it is a mystery. It is a mystery. It is a mystery. The just shall live by faith. And faith is that ability to be convinced by what God has shown you in spirit above what your eyes are able to see in the world of the flesh. Because sometimes we give the voice of the flesh too much amplification in our minds. Like Elijah in the cave of Adullam that gave strength to the voice of Jezebel. Jezebel's voice didn't have strength. Sometimes we're the ones that give strength to some bad voices in our hearts. Isn't it so? Isn't it so? Shall I tell us another parable? Shall I tell us another parable? I've said this one before, but it, I think it's worthwhile to say it again. Do you guys want to hear another parable? Awesome. Yeah. There was a particular old man that was in the habit of sitting by the wayside where traders come and go. And whenever he sits there, he teaches everyone that passes by him. And that's all he does. He will teach. If people put food in his plates, is how he will eat that day. And that's how he lived his life. And there was no day that passed that he didn't have food to eat and he didn't have someone to teach. So one faithful day, one man saw him and looked at him with scorn and insulted him. I said, look at you, you have wasted your life. You have nothing doing. You're not sitting down here wasting your life. Look at you. And the old man was quiet. He said nothing. Then one of the oldest man's disciples now said to him, Master, how come you do not respond to this guy? Did you hear all the things that he said? He now asked his disciple. He said, if someone offers you a gift and you don't receive the gift, who is the owner of the gift? Someone, I want you guys to give the answer. If someone offers you a gift and you don't receive the gift, who is the owner of the gift? The person offering it. The giver. I said, in the same way, the person who gave that insult, I don't receive it. <laughs> Sometimes it's as simple as that. How you guys understand? Sometimes it's as simple as that. Because the enemy talks, but we're the ones that give power to his voice. Because we, we, we accept it, we open arms. Are you guys understanding what I'm saying? We accept it with open arms, receive it with glad tidings. We receive it boldly. 
we give strength to the voice of the enemy. And you find that when it pertains something that we are greatly afraid of, that's all of that's when anything that someone can say that will feed our fears will absorb it so quickly. Whether it's fear for a particular person or a particular circumstance, it's almost as though we're ready to absorb anything that will feed that fear and will keep us in that place of despair. And we say in that circumstance, but no, it's you. We are the ones that give it strength. We are the ones that give it empowerment. And as it becomes empowered, we now become blind to what God is doing. In the same vein, we also have that ability to give strength to the voice of God. Look at Jesus in the wilderness. 40 days, this man had not eaten. 40 days of dry fasting. Some of us, to fast to 3 p.m. is the biggest challenge of our lives. <laughs> and at 3 p.m., we probably woke up We probably woke up at 10 in the morning. So the fasting is only, what, five hours? By 2 o'clock, we don't de sweat. You say, ah, God, you see, this is what, this is sacrifice I'm doing for the kingdom. God, three do almost reach. Ah, God, I hope you are seeing this. This is... <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 He was in the wilderness fasting for 40 days. Hunger was beating him left, right, water, water. Hunger was beating that man after 40 days. If there ever were a time when the voice of the enemy could have had strength, that would have been the moment. That would have been the moment his words would have made a lot of sense because the enemy comes at opportune times. Those key moments when we are down and we don't have that, that, those walls of the word of God, that's when he appears. And in that moment that the enemy came with his deceptive voice, Jesus did not give strength to the enemy. Because this man, consider this, this man for 30 years had lived a life in obscurity. All his life, from the sages that had trained him, he was told that he was going to be the world teacher. He was going to be the savior of humanity. He was going to be the king of all creation. He was told all these things. But his life looked nothing like it. Suffering upon suffering was beating this man all the days of his life. The Bible says he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. That man went through suffering. His father died when he was at a young age. Joseph died when he was young. So you can imagine this young man had to begin to fend for his family from a young age because back then women weren't earning income. It was the man that would go out and work and bring food to the home that the wife would cook and prepare. So being the first son, the burden of the home was upon him from a young age. You can imagine how hard a life he must have been. Understand, he also grew up in Galilee. Galilee was a very poor town in Nazareth. That's why Nathaniel could say, could anything good come out of Nazareth? That place of poor men. So you can imagine the kind of life that that man grew up living. Even his dialect was like a... <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen those people with strong, strong, thick Yoruba or Igbo or Hausa accents? Strong, 
Like, you know, say, ah, poverty has wounded this person seven times. <laughs> That's the kind of action Jesus Christ had. You people don't know that. You think, oh, because you watch all these movies where, you know, they put Jesus Christ with British accent, you know, like, oh, Lord, Heavenly Father, I pray unto you this morning that bless all my children. Let them. <laughs> all these things, they don't really depict these things as they really are. <laughs> I said, Jesus Christ came from, from the streets, from Zanga. <laughs> Are you understanding? In the book of Acts, Peter, who was also from Galilee, when he stood before the Sanhedrin, didn't you see that they declared that his, his dialect was, was, was poor? So how can a man with untrained speech come and speak with this kind of authority? Are you guys understanding this? So when the enemy came to meet Jesus Christ in the wilderness, offering him all of creation, you might think, oh, because he's the son of God. No, 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 no. You, you need to know what he went through to understand why that was called a temptation. The Bible says you cannot be tempted by something that you don't desire. He says, do not be deceived. God does not tempt anyone, for we are tempted by our own desire and led away by it. So if Jesus Christ was tempted in that wilderness, it means those were the very things that he desires. Because how can it be a temptation if you don't have a desire for that thing within yourself? So that temptation had more to tell you about Jesus than he had to tell you about the devil. Because the devil cannot tempt you with something that you don't desire. That's why Job said, the thing I fear the most has happened to me. Because desire is twofold. Desire is what you wish to happen to you and what you don't wish to happen to you. Both are desires. And both are avenues that the enemy uses, uses as a temptation for us. The things you want to happen and the things you don't want to happen, they are both desires. And the enemy always enters through those places in order to bend your will and cause iniquity to be born out of you. Am I speaking to someone here? Yet, in the midst of that, in the midst of the great evil that Jesus Christ grew up witnessing, in the midst of all of that, for some reason, this man was still able to see his God. Can someone just unmute the microphone and just say, God is good. 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 Because the enemy appeared to make him look like a victim. To make him look as though his life was just tragedy upon tragedy, sorrow upon sorrow. But it is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the honor of kings to search it out. And from the carnal point of view, what looked like a great darkness that enveloped the life of Jesus from his point of view was great light. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 Jesus, Jesus, hallelujah, 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 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 The brothers of Joseph could not understand him. They couldn't comprehend. How can you hurt us? After what we have done to you, 17 years you suffered. How can you look at us and still give us love? But they did not understand that what you considered darkness, oh, was light unapproachable. But I heard the voice of my God. And that light that the man, the carnal man cannot approach, the heavenly man was invited into. And oh, I entered that light and I beheld the glory of my God. And what you meant for evil, God turned around for my good. Now that is why I can see you and I can glory to give glory to my God. I can embrace you. I can love you. Because what you call darkness was light conceived. By the glory of God, that light was made known to me. That light was made known to me. How can I be broken? How can I be broken? How can I be broken? How can the voice of the serpent have sway upon my life? When I have seen the glory of God, when I have seen the glory of God, when I have seen the glory of God, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the honor of kings to search it out, to search it out, to search it out. To search it out. And Jesus was in the wilderness. And the enemy was trying to convince him that he was a victim. Ah, oh, Jesus is Lord. The enemy was trying to convince him that he was a victim. And oh, son of God, let me come and bring you respite. Let me deliver you from your great sorrows, young man. And he looked at the devil. What you call a great darkness to me is the marvelous light of God. Hallelujah. 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 You think that I am dwelling in sorrows. I am dwelling in poverty. That, oh, because my mother is sick, I must not prostitute myself. Oh, because I need to feed my family, I must not commit fraud. I must not cheat. I must not lie to make some money. Oh, you think that my case is tragic and evil is the only thing that has befallen me. Oh, but devil, you do not know that I, the son of God, am dwelling in light. In light, unapproachable. Even you can't see it. You can't see it. I am dwelling in light, unapproachable. I am dwelling in light, unapproachable. 
the Lord is the one that calls things that be not as though they were. Because in spirit, they are. Kai. 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 And the spirit of God hovered upon the face of the waters. And darkness covered the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God said, let there be light. And there was light. And that's why Paul came and said, as God commanded light to shine out of darkness, he has caused his son to shine in our hearts to reveal the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Someone say, if God called it forth, it was always there. If God called it forth, I want to hear us. If God called it forth, it was always there. If God called it forth, it was always God there. If God called it forth, it was always there. It was always there. In the heavens. Yeah, yeah. It was always there. God doesn't live in denial. He's not delusional. Do you understand? God is God, God, God is not delusional. He's not a dreamer. He's not someone who does wishful thinking. He's not leading us into utopian fantasies. If God calls it forth, it was always there. It was always there. It was always there. Because from God's point of view, there is no good or evil. There is only goodness concealed and goodness revealed. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And that's why the life of Jesus was mysterious to his disciples until they possessed the eyes that he had. Because when Jesus Christ was going to the cross, and he said to them, Behold the destiny of the Son of God. For this reason I have come, that I might be a ransom for many. Peter looked upon him and said, Far be it from you, Lord. How can you enter into such great darkness? <laughs> he didn't know that what looked like great darkness was not but light unapproachable. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because no man can see God and live. The moment you see God, that old man in you will die and the new man becomes born. Because only God kind can dwell amongst God kind. So long as the carnal man does live, God has not yet been seen. 
God has not yet been seen. Hallelujah. 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 He's the one that calls light out of darkness. He's the one that calls health out of sickness. He's the one that calls forth a king out of a shepherd boy. The one that calls apostles out of fishermen. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. What men call a great darkness or a great evil. A great evil. God calls it light yet to be revealed. Hallelujah. Now this is why that Friday that seemed to be a night of doom and gloom by the spirit of wisdom and inspiration was called good. Was called good was called good. It is good because God called forth that goodness out of what looked like it was evil. The same way God caused light to shine out of darkness. The same way he caused the dry land to appear where there was no dry land. The same way he caused the herbs to come out of the ground when the herbs were not there is the same way he caused the blessing of all creation to come out of what looked like a cosmic tragedy. Thank you, Jesus. 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 So we're just going to pray for the next five to six minutes. And the prayer is very simple. The prayer is very simple, very simple, very simple. Lord Jesus, cause my eyes to become open to the light that you have concealed around me in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's begin to pray where we are right now. Let's begin to pray where we are right now, right now. That our eyes will become open to see the goodness of God that is concealed within things that do not look like it. To begin to see the light that the darkness has covered. That as God sees things, our eyes will begin to behold. Because it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the honor of kings to search it out. Kada so pariando tero sala. Pelenga dan kareko palada dianta kadesaka. Serun kados karie. Pelinda ndokaro sapada skandea. Pelenga doko palada vorianta kopa. That, oh Lord, my eyes might become open. That I might see your goodness that has been concealed, oh God. In places I could not have conceived, your goodness could have been. 
that what was meant for evil turn around to become for my good. Oh God. Oh God. That my eyes might become open. Let's meet our microphones and let's begin to pray in one voice, even right now. That my eyes might become open. That my eyes might become open. That I might see the goodness of God that has been concealed. That I might see the light, oh God, that has been trapped within the womb of darkness. In the situations in my life. That my eyes might become open. That I might see as God sees. Jesus <laughs> Jesus, 
Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, somebody. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 That hallelujah was so weak. Praise the Lord, somebody. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 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 The Good Friday. The Good Friday. And dear friends, that's the Easter message that God had me give unto us. And I hope that it touched us and it has brought about liberation in our minds. I will change the way that we engage the days to come. In the name of Jesus, God is good. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this is the point where some of us are free to share, are free to share um, what stood out to us 
and the course of the teaching. Feel free to raise your hand. If someone here on Instagram wants to, sh wants to share what they took away from the teaching, you can request to join the live. You can request to join the live and, and I would, um, I'll bring you up here. But I'd like to hear from some of us, raise your hand. Something that stood out to you in the course of the teaching. Something that stood out to you, something that was a takeaway for you. Raise your hand and share with us before we go. Before we go. Esther. Esther Edit. I can hear you, but you're a bit muffled. Can you hear me now? Perfect. Can you hear me? Perfect. I can hear you very well. It's perfect. Okay, I can hear you now, so. Okay, awesome. um, I wanted to, what stood out to me particularly is that, um, okay, I, I just came back from, uh, from the Easter service that we had at my church this evening, and while I was at church, I remember this dream that I had recently that I even shared in, in our life group that, so that um, everyone helps me to interpret and everything, and I a particular scene came to mind in the dream and it was the part where I I saw the person that I thought was my husband that we actually turned out to be the bridegroom. And when I remember that in that in that part of the dream when I saw him, his eyes were they were really golden brown and I, I think that was the particular thing that froze me in place. And when I remember that this evening, I just kept on wondering to myself, God, why are you making me remember? Why are you making me remember this right now? And <clears throat> sorry, excuse me. And um, as I as I started to ask that, I remember that I when I when I was um, narrating the dream on the group, I said that I was also wearing brown contact lenses. But then the Holy Spirit helped me to remember that actually what happened was that as I looked as as I looked at his eyes, my eyes started to change into into his into the color of his lenses, so to speak, and. Oh, it was still very. Which one is this one now? What am I supposed to like? What am I supposed to do with this piece of information? As I was coming back home, I started to see that it, it was like it was like the more I looked, the more I thought about even looking into his eyes, the more the more the more it, it, it went from being brown to looking like to looking like purifying fire, like like it was burning off what I could see and becoming what he could see. And it was all very, it was like, what was all this? Until I came on this um, teaching today, I did actually, I, I was really like, I went to church. There's no point of me joining this school. Last minute, I was like, let me just join. And I joined, and it's all about sight and how the goodness of God can look like darkness, somebody that cannot see. And it just makes so much sense to me now. Like, it just makes, everything has just tied together. How this was really a deliverance for me, and I'm, I, I just, I'm grateful to God for it. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Timmy Dio. Good evening, sir. Thank you so much for tonight. Um, a couple of things stood out to me. And um, okay, I'll, I'll just start from the very first one. And you're talking about how Jesus had been prophesied for like, you know, all of all of the ages from the fall of Adam and Eve, the prophecies looking big. I saw the son of man, the throne room, his um, garments filling the whole place, you know, eyes with fire, tongue, and just really amazing things. <laughs> and only for us to just arrive in Jerusalem, in, is it um, Galilee? And like you said, like the prophecy, they have a comely countenance, his job was probably suffering, you know, like you said, he was taking care of his spirit, I mean, his, 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 his family. Nothing, like no LinkedIn profile, everything was bad, everything was, <laughs> what was the correlation between savior of the whole world and you walking from the Sea of Galilee, picking fish, multiplying fish, like I didn't see it before. Like I did see, I know that yes, I've been reading meat, but probably the reason why it now makes a lot of sense is because ah, you know, there's a saying that you don't really understand something until you experience it. So because I'm going along the side of that experience where I'm in the season where I'm like, okay, God, all of this is what you have said. <laughs> I'm in my room, I'm just with one small laptop and my phone. Like, where is everything? And I just say like, wow, Jesus was not just some, you know, oh, I'm Lord and everything, boom, 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 happened. He actually exhibited that life. And for me to have somebody that showed that path, even ah, nothing said like at all, <laughs> like it was a failure, I'm sorry. <laughs> even on the cross, like nothing. But in at the end of the day, the proof was, he attained that promise. And it just gave me a lot of courage that you see, Temidayo, in the good, I mean, in the bad, there's a concealment of good that you might not be seen. And this brings me to my second point. I believe it is one of the hardest things to look around and like Jesus, like David, I love David so much. Like David, to be in the wilderness where there is no water. And yet you say, the Lord is my water. Ah, come on. Come on, come on. I, 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 I such to be able to be on this earth where nothing is working, you know, it's gloomy, but I can still see God in that moment. For me, that's going to be a big miracle. And I just covet that grace and that ability that the Lord will open it upon my own heart to, to be able to see him beyond the darkness in the name of Jesus. Thank you so much, sir. God bless you. God bless you so much. Thank Amen. you, sir. Bless you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Adishawa. Hi, Ashoka. Good evening. Can you hear me? Very well. Very well. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, so for me, um, because this past year has been um, has been a time of 
stretching, intense stretching for me. And and I okay, I'm just I just want to quickly like give a backstory. I remember the last last year during one of the um gathering of the saints we had, you kept on praying about sight, sight. Mm. And I remember that from then it feels like we're still being, you know, towing that same line. I remember that um, days or weeks ago, I was listening to the recording of the of the morning prayer. And I remember that you just kept on talking about sights. You used another word. It wasn't sights, but it was basically like the same thing. So today again, hearing this again, you know, it just reiterates what like the Lord has just been laying in my heart, trying to teach me because I, I discovered that I had shifted my focus and I was you know, focused on all of the things he had not yet done. And in the process, I shifted my focus away from God himself. So, and I realized that everything I want or everything I would, I can never be, is in, is it has to be in God. And I've already shifted my focus. So I was born to fail. <laughs> if I'm going to be very honest to myself. And I've, you know, I've given myself, you know, excuses. Oh, something is not working. Everything that's happened to me. And but honestly, honestly, <laughs> it's like when something you said, I don't know, weeks back, and you're like, see, if you will suffer, suffer well. Don't let it be a waste of suffering. <laughs> you know, so there's no point allowing God, you know, giving you, give you like the same lesson until you learn when you can easily learn it the first time and then be done with it. So like everything you said today, just kind of, I, I don't know, it's still building up inside of me. And you know what you also said about, you know, good, what, what good means to God is, is, is totally different from what a lot of us think good is. And then the way you now even explained it is that like, you know, in bringing out, you know, something that has already been there, it didn't look like it physically, but it's already been there. And then another thing of David, you know, there's this thing we do, a lot of us or some of us, right, we do where we glory in our strength. Mm. So we say stuff like, oh, I've been through a lot. And I think I do that too a lot, right? I'm so strong. If you know what I've been through, I'm good. Like, okay, I can't, I can't help you since you're strong. Mm. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> <a> weak one. <laughs> yes, okay. Okay, so... Uh, so I didn't go, it just, it just occurred to me that, um, I, it's not like I've not known this thing, but you know, that sometimes the realization eats you even further, like, okay, this is actually the truth of the matter. You know, it's good for us to read Bible. We read the, we read all of these patriarchs and all of these people. And it's so sweet and it's so interesting. And then we preach about it and, but then the reality eats us. And then we're like, oh no, this is not my portion, but <laughs> You know, so you know, David was not, it wasn't his strength, our dependence should be on God totally. And it was one thing that Jesus also did where it was on earth, it was dependence was on God. He didn't even say, Oh, because I mean, I'm the son of God, I've come to save you. He would always refer to his father. So, how much more we, you know, trying to glory in our strengths, in our stories. Why right? is good to share stories, right? But we should also understand that our strength is, you know, is rooted in God. So that's, you know, it has just really, it has just really given me another perspective that, and then God is good regardless anyway. So it's good regardless. Hallelujah. So thank you Hallelujah. so much. <laughs>
Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Onyechi, I saw your hand was raised. Hello, can you hear me? Very well. Okay. Good evening. Um, so my question will be a bit quiet because my sister is currently sleeping beside me. But um this was really, really timely, especially for like the season that I'm in. Um, um with school and everything, and like this week, the past two weeks have been very, very intense. Um, especially because I'm in my final year. And so um a couple of essays that I was working very, very hard for um that really had an impact on my grade and whether I would get like a first or a two one or not. Like um it had a really it had a disappointing outcome and it just left me like reeling in such a sensitive place like I was in such a sensitive place because I was just questioning God like God um you know I'm not the only child that you have that has gone to school I'm not the only child that you have that has worked hard for something and prayed about it's like I haven't done it I haven't done anything wrong like I've done everything you said I should do I read my books I prayed, I did Bible study, I showed up, I showed up when I could, I served well, my heart was here, and so it just felt like my, it just felt like I was being lied to, if that makes sense, and just like, what is the, what good is here, what can I see that is here, like, a part of me was even like, almost like I couldn't, it felt like I couldn't breathe because I was just like, what is the assurance now that if I even decide to do to do something good or work hard, what is the assurance that I will get the reward for my labor? Because I've heard, you know, don't, don't leave it to chance. Don't leave it to God. Do what you can do. And God would take care of the rest. And so I was like, I, <laughs> for like the past two weeks, I've just been thinking like, God, I know I'm meant to understand, but I just don't understand. And like, sometimes I'll just be crying. I was like, I don't feel bad at all. That I don't understand. I don't understand. And so I would keep screaming this in my room because I really didn't and I would just be crying up and down because it meant such a big deal to me and so this week in the middle of the night I would either hear God um, um, singing it is well it <laughs> is well like what? it's not well please stop singing that song I don't understand what you're saying I don't get it. What if I get it too? I think I'll live. What am I going to do? Imagine me getting it too. Like this was literally how my voice was sounding because I was, I was hysterical, hmm. and so, um, this morning at like six a.m., 
I saw this video on Bible Project on how something was this new video about suffering well or something like that. And then on the prayer calls, the four year prayer calls, I remember when you were talking about anxiety and the voice of Jezebel. And there was a point where, like, there were so many lies that were coming into my head. Like, what's the point of even living? Like, you're not even going to amount to anything. Your life is not going to amount to anything. You're going to say, upon all of your spirit, Coco, you still failed. You're upon all of these things. Like, what's the point? You know, like, is going to end in disgrace. Like, there were just so many things that I was hearing. And I was just like, I couldn't breathe. And so God was just like talking to me this morning and I wrote down in my journal that what if with the good things that he gives to us, that suffering is a gift as well? And I was like, whoa, (laughs) absolutely not. But that's also like something to consider. Like what if God in his kindness, decides to gift righteous and suffering to his children because he knows that it's an opportunity for them to become even more good, if that is a word, or even better. Um, And so even while I'm in this space where, like, I'm still processing all of the very, very annoyingly terrible things that are going on right now, I also somehow I'm beginning to get courage and gain courage to trust God regardless of what happens to me and just trust that he's my shepherd. So, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And he's your shepherd. He's your shepherd, right? He's your shepherd. Let God be true and every man be a liar including ourselves, if what God is saying is in contrast to what we are saying or what our circumstance is saying or what people around us is saying, let everybody be liars and let God be true. And as we hold on to that, we will see that truth that was always there, just waiting to be discovered. And we will discover it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Job said, it is good that I was afflicted that I might learn your statutes. How did he discover the statutes of God concealed within his affliction that he would never have been able to acquire had that affliction not come? It's a mystery. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. Are you understanding? Two mornings ago, we read about David and Nabal. And how David was about to go and kill Nabal. And Abigail came and he looked as if, what's wrong with this woman? Why are you stopping me from doing what I want? Why can't you allow me to carry out this vengeance? But in that moment, David realized that Abigail was the mercy of God concealed. And he realized, my goodness, it looks like the wife of this man came to me, but actually it was the mercy of God. It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the honor of kings to search it out. Are you guys, are you guys seeing how contemplation works? I, it, I'm intentional 
about repeating the same words over and over again. I'm not a broken record. Uh, do you understand me? I'm not a broken record. I know I'm repeating it because every time it's being said, I want you to see it in a, in a greater light. You understand? In a greater light. Because one word can have a thousand meanings. That's why we can never ever get too familiar with the word of God. Every time we gaze upon it, more light becomes revealed unto us. And it is well with us all, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. May your Nicole, may your Nicole. Okay, good evening, everyone. Okay, so um, I just wanted to talk about when you said that when the enemy came to tempt Jesus, he made him out to be the victim. And that really just resonated with me, especially when you give the example of, oh, someone's mom is sick, and then the person would say, okay, maybe to raise funds or something, I'll turn to prostitution or something like that. And it just reminded me of a time in my life where I was really going through it and I really like drowned in self-pity. I really believed that I was the victim and <laughs> all the affliction in the world that God just separated me and just gave it to me as far as just be <laughs> chopping off the suffering of the world. And now I'm coming to realize that, especially from after what you said, I've come to realize that even what the enemy wanted to use as evil, God has used as good because now that I've been able to rise from my affliction and just not drown so much in self-pity anymore, I'm able to like talk to people. People, I noticed that people started coming to me to talk to me, open up to me. And these people that were coming to talk to me had were are going through things that God had saved me from and I was able to tell them this is how I got out of it because if I was still believing the lies of the enemy I would have told them ah my sister Rumi too right now I am also going through it and everything and I just see that God has put me through that fire to be able to save people that were that are currently drowning in that same fire and so I just really that that what you said there just really resonated with me and I really liked it Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 God knows how to bring deliverance unto his children. He knows how to bring deliverance unto his children. I'm, I'm glad that he brought this message this evening. And would you believe that we almost didn't have this session? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that funny? <laughs> After this morning's prayer call, because last night I I went to bed like twelve. Then I think maybe Bethel woke me up at like one or one thirty, something like that. And once that once I sleep at night and I wake up in the middle, I can't sleep again. I was now up to four when we had the morning prayer call. And after the call, I still stayed up till about 8.39 trying to sort some other things out because I used the morning to do my work and everything so that 
during the day my head can be free. So I was like, man, I just want to sleep this good Friday. Let this good Friday be good to me, amen. <laughs> you know? But I thank God. I thank God. I thank God. I thank God because this is a word that is a word in season, literally and figuratively. <laughs> it's a word in season. And I thank God. I thank God. I thank God. Hallelujah. 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 It is well with us, people of God. It is well with us. Sometimes the today we're finishing at what 9:45. Isn't that like a miracle? <laughs> Isn't that like a miracle? It's probably the shortest session we've had in almost two years. <laughs> I'll be blessed the Lord. <laughs> but sometimes the most impactful things are very short and sweet. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. It is well with us. Exalt Chuku, you want to say something before we go? Um, yeah. Hi, Oshoka. Uh, I... Yeah, I've attended a couple of your sessions, but I don't really speak much. Um, but I just wanted to uh, say, give a kind of testimony just before we go. Um, so I'm currently in my final year as well in university. Um, and I mean, I've always kind of been the person that academics came easily for. I'm, I'm studying computer science and. And well, quite frankly, it's this. It, I'm not. There are so many things I'm not sure of in my life, but I, I feel like the one thing I'm sure of is that, you know, this was what I was called to do because computer science is something that I know I really love doing. And funny enough, it seems to be all the craze these days. So, so yeah. Um, and so yeah, academics has generally come very easily to me. And also being the first child is like, I've been, I've been seen as a person who is. You know, able to make decisions and um, you know, people just listen to you and stuff like that. They're, they're just, just kind of expect you to like just know what's up, you know, and just act, you know, the way the firstborn should act. So yeah, so you know, first I think first year, three years of my school of my university period, um, when things were going well. And I remember my freshman year. Um, you know, my academics were like really, really good. And, you know, they are still good now, but like just know what I feel like they could have been struggling out and graduating. Um, and in back in those days, I remember I, I used to like, like you said, depend on God a lot. Um, but I felt I feel like along the line, I probably lost sight of like what it really means to depend on God for like at least academics or just intellectual stuff. Because I felt like, you know, I, I kind of just had it within me. So, but you know, along the line, I, I kind of lost track and lost focus. And um, you know, I once there was this semester where I really did poorly in my academics and it brought me down from like a from some I was I was basically supposed to graduate with highest honors in my in my school, but right now we're graduating like second highest honors. Um, but it really brought me down and it, it felt like, I mean, it, it's funny, but like, it felt like the world, like, I just disappointed everybody. The, the regrets was just so, like, weak, like, it weighed down on me um, because I'm the kind of person that a lot of people can come to for help, but, like, I don't really go to people for help like that. 
So it just got me struggling. And the way my GPA fell, it now began to attach to other things because, you know, I'm going to do graduate school. And I felt, oh, my GPA is no longer high enough for me to get into graduate school. And, you know, I applied for a couple of things and I got rejected for most of them. And, you know, what you, when you, what you said about, you know, when things are not going the way we want, we tend to believe like all the negative things around that circumstance. So everything just began to be tied. For, for, for me, everything began to be tied to, oh, if only I had been more serious, if only I had paid more attention to this, if only I had not allowed the, because I, at some point I lost interest in school. Um, and so the, the depression really weighed me down. I, I didn't even feel like studying again. And I feel like I said, because I lost focus, I stopped depending on God as my source. and and so um, everything just began to tie back to me not being able to do well in my academics, me not doing well in my academics again. But like after today, um, it's funny, the Holy Spirit has also been, had also been teaching me some, some of these things. I've been reading the book of Job recently as well. And I, some of these things that he said really resonated with me because I've been asking myself the same questions as well and um, seeing things trying to see things from Job's perspective, seeing things from also his friend's perspective that spoke as though they were wise. But like you said, we are seeing things from a worldly perspective. They were seeing darkness, but they were not able to see the darkness, the light that was within the darkness that Job was able to see. So yeah, I just, it's really, uh, the session basically has really helped me out um, to really just have more, have more faith in, in God and to trust that I feel like he's bringing me to a place where I can really now depend on him because I received some final rejection today that I was really hoping for and then all I could just say was man God I'm out of option so right now it's just up to you <laughs> so yeah um and I think I'm just coming to a place of just depending on him and um, getting to see and to understand what good really means and so yeah I, I'm really thankful for for you, found out about you through my friend um, Bro Sam, and like it has been a very good. Uh, Which Sam? Sam Yes, I'm Wonder. We hey, that's my brother. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, I'm really, I'm really grateful for for you, for you. Thank you very much, and for everyone. Yeah. God bless you. God bless you. I pray that God gives you an answer of peace in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 It is well with us all, people of God. Yes, Orulua, the session is recorded. I'll upload it on the podcast afterwards, and then I'll share it so it's recorded. Huh? And for those who are here, um, who are here for the first time, this is a, a teaching community. I don't want to call it a prophetic community, prophetic teaching community. So um, this is a public lecture. I call this public because this is um, it. Um, the public lectures deal with seasonal messages, messages for the general body. Um, but we have a lot of teachings, trainings that happen not on the public space. And if you'd like to be a part of the community, you can go to the link on my bio and click um, join Telegram community, Heaven's Gate Academy. And you'll find a form. When you fill the form, a link will pop up and then you can join. You can join the group and um, we'll be seeing more of you. Amen. Amen. On that note, I wish every single one of us a good Friday. <laughs> a good Friday. God bless every one of you. God keep you. God cause his face to shine upon you. 
And may we receive the fruit of the good works of God in our lives. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Bye-bye, everyone. Take care. And bye-bye. I'll see you all on Monday morning. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 <laughs> Bye. <laughs>